Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami, and I'm glad you've chosen today to tune into this, our podcast. As we go through the series, The Journey, I look forward to you discovering how you can find the Father in the journey and in the destination. God bless you. So we're in this series called The Journey, and um, it's interesting because what I thought I was going to do in this series and what is happening are two completely different things. Maybe we'll get caught up to where I thought, but none of the, other than the very opening message, none of the messages that have followed have been at all in the outline in which I pre-did, which is kind of fun. I like it when God does that. That just means that my three-week series is going to be more like six. It's like stopping Jesus was going to be six weeks and it wound up being nine. It just, it's just the way it, it goes. And um, what happened, this is what happened is I was, we were going to go on a journey, and we were going to look at some things that happen when you're along the way. But what I discovered is along the way isn't so as important as to stick with him where he is. And I, along that journey, I discovered that there's a wilderness that everyone pops into. And I was going to hang out, and, and last week we talked a lot about don't rush the wilderness, Because it's in the wilderness where we find Jesus. And it's in the wilderness where he does a work within us to do some pretty amazing things. And this week, I'm going to tell you that we never leave the wilderness. But we convert the wilderness to a place of excitement and joy and hope. And I'm going to speak prophetically over the church. I'm going to speak prophetically over northeastern Oklahoma today. And if I can, and if the Holy Spirit will permit me today, I'm just going to I'm going to share some scripture. I'm going to give you my six observations like I usually do. Um, But I'm just going to, through the word and through the utterance of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to prophesy a little bit. Can I do that? And it's not going to be a weird, oh, thus saith the Lord. I'm just going to share some things that pastors do as they are called into a region. And and I believe that as we do this, some things are going to change. Some things are going to ignite within us. And I'm, I'm glad that for the most part, everyone that's part of Word of Life is here today. Uh, because it's, this is, a, I think, a, a key transitional message for the church that, that's going to move us all to the next phase and the next stage, and we're going to begin to see us operate in a place of faith that we've not operated in. And we're going to see ourselves transition to a place, and the title of this week's uh, subtitle is To Thrive. We're going to see ourselves transition to a, an avenue of growth, not just for ourselves spiritually, but for the church, and we're going to begin to see some things happen. I believe that God's going to open up some doors for us to find permanence of location in Jesus' name. I believe that God's going to transition ourselves in our lives to be able to open up doors whereby we can bring more and more in. Not that I'm expecting, in Jesus' name, he can do whatever he wants, but not that I'm expecting that we're going to be, you know, a thousand people or anything in the next six months. I just believe that we're going to be more than the couple of families that are part of what we're doing. And it's not going to, it's God's going to do it. The Bible says that it's the Lord who adds the church daily. Listen to that word, daily those that are being saved. And I'm looking forward to the reports of when we come in. And and we weren't even looking. We weren't even scared to have to walk up to somebody and introduce them to the topic of salvation that people are just going to come to us and salvation is going to occur just through our normal day lives. And so there's going to be that transition. And I, I say as of today, this is the 20. Third day of September, we are going to step across a line into a new dimension, a new realm, and a new way of doing things. And not because I'm changing 
the way we do things, but it's because the atmosphere by which we walk in is going to be a new atmosphere by which we walk in. It's because we're going to learn that we're not looking to leave the wilderness. We're going to learn to change the wilderness that we're in. Let's look at this together. Our opening scripture comes from our theme that we're talking about throughout this entire series, and it's John 14, verses 5 and 6. And Thomas says to him, of course, we've heard of Thomas, right? He's the one that comes to Jesus after the resurrection. He says, I'm not going to believe it unless I can see the holes in your hands. He's labeled as doubting Thomas, and I'm going to tell you that's just a terrible label that society or even the authors, the, the, the organizers of the Bible have thrown upon him. Uh, I don't want to call him a doubter. I want to call him a seeker of revelation. But Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes the Father except through me. And we've discovered that on this journey, the Father is the destination. And if the Father is the destination and Jesus is the key or the gate to that destination, then abiding with Jesus who is the way is the only answer. And if being with Jesus is all that matters, then the location and the circumstances that we're sitting in have no bearing on our attitudes, our joy and our ability to overcome. And jumping to 1 Corinthians 7.20, and then again, skipping a couple verses in 24, verse 20 in 1 Corinthians 7 says, each one of us should remain in the condition in which he was called. Now, this is uh, referring to uh, bond servants and people in slavery at the time, and, and saying, don't, don't get out of the circumstance, you're in, unless the circumstance affords you, it says it a couple of verses later, but the idea is, be happy where you are. Don't walk around in a woe-is-me scenario, but remain in the condition in which you are called. In verse 24, it says, So brothers, in whatever condition you are called, let their him remain with God. So we can find God in our circumstances. So now I want to get to the body of our message today, the the exciting part, the prophetic edge of the message today. And I call this thrive, but really what I want to talk about is how we can live in what the world calls a wilderness, but never find ourselves there. What I mean is we can live in a place of wilderness, but never find ourselves operating the mindset of a wilderness. Look around where we live and the place in which we live with the conditions of the souls of the people that we are and the conditions of the atmosphere in which we live, I think it would be safe to call the place of northeastern Oklahoma a wilderness. Would you say that this land is thriving? Would it say that we're in a, a, a mecca, a, 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 a place where the economy is doing great? There's little pockets here and there. But why on earth do we operate in that realm or in that place. So let's look at Isaiah 35. We're going to look at the entire chapter. Now, before you go, oh, great, he's going to be here and talk for 48,000 minutes. I want you to know there's only 10 verses that we're going to look at, the entire chapter. And in here, we look at opening remarks of the prophet. He says, the wilderness and the dry land should be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. 
an interesting picture here because if we're in a wilderness, we think of the opening remarks, the wilderness and the dry land. So we know the picture that is presented to us as to the location by which the prophet is addressing. It is a wilderness and a dry land. Now, a commentator said, Albert Barnes, he said, the wilderness is a solitary place. This is evidently a figurative language such as Often employed by the prophets, the word rendered solitary place denotes a properly or denotes properly a dry place, a place without springs and streams of water, and such places produce no vin, uh, uh, virtue and nothing to sustain life. The word comes to, to mean a desert. Such expressions are often used in the scriptures to express moral or spiritual desolation. And in the sense, evidently, the phrase is used here. It does not refer to the desolation of Judea, but to all places that might be properly called moral wilderness or spiritual deserts, and thus aptly express the condition of the world that is to be benefited by the blessings before told, or foretold in this chapter. Did you just hear a description of where we are sitting today? So, moving on to what the prophet here, Isaiah, is addressing, you're not going to hear a description of a wilderness at all. However, he is talking to the wilderness. Moreover, he's talking to the people within the wilderness. And I'm talking to a people today that abide within a wilderness, but we are not affected by the wilderness that we live in. You heard the phrase, bloom where you're planted? So there's no, that phrase is not found anywhere in the Bible, but that theme is throughout the Bible. Verse 2, the prophet continues on and he says, It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with singing and with joy. What is it? The wilderness. It says, The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Looking at these three words here, Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon. We're looking at Lebanon, majesty, Carmel, beauty, Sharon, fertility. Do we think of these words accompanying the wilderness? But yet they're there and they're in the midst of it. And I'm beginning to see that there are pockets of people that are called of God to represent the glory of God in the wilderness and spring forth with His majesty to declare forth and, and live and operate within the beauty of God and with fertility. Our businesses shall thrive. Our crops shall produce. Those things that we put our hands upon shall thrive and flourish. Even though others look at it and call it the wilderness. Have you heard of these people called Chip and Joanna Gaines? Something that's interesting has happened. Have you ever been to Waco, Texas? I've never, I've never been to Waco, Texas, but I've heard it described pre-silos, pre-fame of Chip and Joanna as a place you just don't want to go to. It's kind of a dumpy old, kind of could remind you of Miami, Oklahoma. You don't just go there on purpose and stay there for a few days. Interesting thing about Waco, Texas is in that wilderness there arose a couple that fame came in, but they honored their God and they decided to thrive in the land God had put them in. Travelocity for 2018 put Waco, Texas as the number two destination in the United States to visit. Number one is this town in Hawaii. Number four is Boulder, Colorado. 
How does Waco, Texas, a, a wilderness, a place that's not, it's not Austin, which isn't far from there. It's not Dallas to the north. It's, can I be so bold? It's not quite the armpit. I was going to say something else. It's not quite the armpit of Texas, but it's definitely on its way. The stank is there. And amidst the, the ability of their wealth and their thriving and their ability to, to acquire, the, the estimation is over 2 million people are going to go through a two and a half acre tract called the silos in Waco, Texas in the next 12 months. Two million people are going to visit Waco, Texas and spend a couple of days looking at home interior stuff. They're going to get specialty cupcakes. They're going to walk around on astroturf instead of beautiful green grass. They're going to make it a destination vacation probably before they go to Boulder, Colorado, North Carolina, or some K-word Hawaii. And amidst their wealth and their fame and their abilities that they have acquired, instead of packing up and taking all that they've gotten and all that they could do and going to a higher, a better destination, they have decided to thrive where God has them. And because of their ability to see God move in their lives, there are lovers of Jesus. It is now the number two destination in the United States. Waco. I know, right? Let's just, let's just up and go. Let's go this week. Listen to this. The wilderness. Now, I'm not saying that we're Chip and Joanne. I'm not saying that we are to have a silo and, and do it like they did it, other than I'm saying that we are to plant in and to see the glory of God in the land in which we are. The glory of Lebanon, the glory of Carmel and Sharon, majesty, beauty, and fertility. But the interesting thing is the next thing, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. It takes it even to the next level. You've got this picture of of majesty, beauty, and fertility, and they are all seeking to and to bring light to the glory of God. And then verse 3 says, strength and weak hands, they make firm the feeble knees. Now I want you to get a picture here of this, that weak hands don't mean incapable. It doesn't mean something without strength. Weak hands could say, the, the, the actual language here is a slacking hand. I could say lazy hand. There's no place for that. In verse 4, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. I love it. This picture, we will see what God wants us to do here and we will hear the direction of God for us in this place. In this wilderness. Then, when all the lame, or then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Do you see that word then in verse 6? 
something happens so something else can. Something has to happen so something else can. Then, what happens when we see a then? We have stepped into a place where we see through the eyes of God so that we move into the place where he can deliver upon us what he's about to promise in these words. Look at this. Waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the, in the hot of the jackals, they will lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes and the highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. I'm here to declare today with that prophetic utterance that I'm saying as I've been walking around and interacting with the inhabitants of northeastern Oklahoma that meth now will no longer be the thing that draws this place down. Gambling addiction will no longer be the things that draw this place down. For people will no longer come to northeastern Oklahoma and they will no longer find an addiction. They will find a pathway to holiness. They will find a pathway to find a king. They will find him. His name is Jesus. And they will be set on a course that forever alters their destiny. The unclean shall not pass over it. It belongs to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. Verse 9, no lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. If this opens with the phrase, the wilderness and the dry land, and I've described who he's talking to, doesn't this seem like a place that we should begin to see through the lens that God has just described? People ask Vanessa and I, especially me, why would you leave Bentonville to come to Miami, Oklahoma? Really? Do you really like it? And I say with all of my heart, believing it and actually not just believing it and hoping that it would come, but really with everything I have, I say it with full and complete confidence. I love it here. People look at it and they see the crappy roads and the potholes and the the lack of business and commerce and the dying economy and the declining property values. I get here and I see the opportunities and the way that God wants to bless this place and and the fact that it's at a low as low as ever been, which means it's the the opportunity for God to move in and, and be as real as he's ever been. I believe that God's beginning to rearrange authorities in this place so that he can uh, wipe away the the mindset that says progress isn't for us and then he's going to begin to bring in opportunities for progress. I remember the day that I was driving in on 125. I had just turned north on where 125 becomes Maine and I I was really right by the the entrance to my neighborhood. I wasn't my neighborhood yet. I didn't even know the house that we were going to buy was in that neighborhood. 
And I remember clearly when God said, very clearly, it wasn't audible, but I know it was the voice of God when he said, I'm going to do something in the spirit realm first, and then I'm going to mirror it in the natural. What I do in the spirit realm, I'm going to begin to do with the economy in this place. I better get to my points. Or we're going to all be like starving to death before I get to the end. Point number one comes from verse two. Pay close attention to the words here. Our perspective should contradict the surroundings. Did you catch that? The surroundings are wilderness. Our perspective is everything else I just read. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with the Lord. I'm sorry, with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. You see, our perspective should always be the perspective through the seen eyes of God the Father. I tell you today, whether you are uh, moving in the spirit realm of, or in the, in the mindset of the prophetic, every one of us should be able to see with the eyes of God what he wants and how he wants us to be operating You may not be called to the office of prophet. You may not be called to prophesy, but I'm going to tell you, you should be able to, all prophesy means is foretelling or foreseeing. You should be able to see through the eyes of God and what he wants for the land in which he has put you in. I'll I'll blow through some of these. Number two, we will be the producers. You know, God's always been capable of just doing But he's decided in his wisdom, which makes no sense to me, but it's his wisdom that he wants to use you and you and you to be his his work. So don't sit back. That's when I look at that verse 3 when we said, uh, strengthen the weak hands. This is not a time to be lazy. This is a time to work. And we're going to have to pull together as a church and work. And when we do things, we've got to do things together. And, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say it with boldness. Vanessa and I and the kids can't do it all alone. We need your help. Observation 3. We point to Jesus or point to God by the signs that accompany us in the wilderness. Look at these things that happen. Verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf, un- deaf unstopped. Then, the, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. The waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Listen, those streams in the desert represent something. When people, when businesses around are failing and yours is thriving, what does that point to? When other departments that you in your businesses are, are not performing, but yours is outperforming. When other teams are struggling, but your team is the top performing team. We ought to be the best at what we do, the hardest workers at what we do. Observation four, I love this one because it's something that we don't do, it's just done. We are positioned in righteousness. 
kind of briefly touched on this. And the highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. Listen, there's a, there's a preparation made where we all will pass over it, but none of us will be unclean when we do so. I, I just got a, a, a brief, it was like a, just a blink of multitudes of people on their knees coming to Jesus, being set free of addiction, being set free of sin and their past. I mean, it was just a brief blip, right? Just, just before, just as I read that, I saw it happening. Listen, this isn't going to be a church that attracts other people that go to church. We're going to be a people that attracts people that need Jesus. They're going to come to Jesus. They're going to know Jesus. And we're going to make a difference for the kingdom of God. One thing I think about in the wilderness is wild beasts and wild animals and having to stand your guard. But let me let you hear something and see something clearly about the wilderness that we are called to, this wilderness that we are in. And I love this because I've always been taught we've got to pray a hedge of protection and we've got to put on the full armor of God. And yes, those things are necessary. And yes, the enemy is trying to attack us. But I know that the, the weapons that the enemy has against us, they will not prosper. There's no weapon that's been forged against us that can prosper. But I'm going to stand here today and say something with strict boldness from verse 9. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon us. My point or observation number 5, our protection is found by the way of the absence of the enemy. There is no enemy. There's no prey that's coming against us. There's no lion. There's no ravenous beast. Why? Because they are not there. They cannot be found. Why? Because the redeemed are walking there. My last observation This is something us, we Christians have got to work on. This is a countenance issue. There will be a visible presentation upon us by the joy and gladness of the Lord. Verse 10, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, Everlasting joy will be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. We'll be the happy people. We'll be full of the joy of the Lord. Our countenance will show something. You see, when you're in the wilderness and the people are, are, are abiding in the wilderness, they walk with their heads hung low. But those of us who are experiencing the wilderness and the perspective of the lens of the kingdom of heaven, we are the ones walking around saying, I don't see no wilderness. I'm the one doing well. I'm not sick. I'm not under attack. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I'm the one that's full of joy. Come on down. Experience this with me. And that very last phrase, and 
sorrow. It's interesting. And sighing shall flee away. Have you ever gone through a time of frustration? Time of disappointment? Have you discovered? You just, a little bit more. You know, sighing is a natural part of our body's makeup of disappointment. I love this. Because that last thing just tells us that sorrow's gone, but so is disappointment. No longer are we going to be disappointed by the surroundings we live in. Because if God is in control, if God is in complete, in, 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 in our complete focus, how can we be disappointed? I'm here to say today, that we are positioned for some great and mighty things. And if we play this outright, if we walk the course, if we stay the course, if we watch the hand of God move, if we, listen, we don't stand here just to say, gimme, 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 but if we seek the Lord, the hand of God will do some amazing things. No longer will we look out and see the wilderness. We won't have moved an inch from this ground. When I say this ground, I don't mean the building that we're standing in. But no longer will we look around and see a dumpy, desolate place. I believe there will be ministries that move here. I believe that this will be an outpost for restoration of people that have lost the call of God on their lives and and come here to get restored in the things of God so that they can be effective for the moving of God in their lives. I believe that this will be a base and a place for people to discover their spiritual gifts and then begin to move out in them in a boldness like they've never moved out before. I believe people and I believe marriages will be, will be restored here. I believe that that there will be uh, young people come into this place and and leave here with a fire and a zeal of God like 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 never seen before. Listen, I'm not here to declare that this will be a base and a place for revival. I'm here to say this will be a base and a place for the kingdom of God to be established and poured out in people's lives. And here's the cool thing. You get to be part of it. And I'm not saying it's me because I'm the least qualified. I'm saying it's God. And it's this place. And it's our obedience and our willingness to say yes, yes, and yes. So I want to ask you in closing, are you with me? So I'm not asking you to stand and come up and link arms with me right now. I'm asking you to evaluate, are you with me? Bo and Bobby, you've heard me say some pretty bold things about this area since you've known me. I haven't given up on it. I just know there's a timing and a way that it works out. I know there's some impossible things that God's called us to do. I know there's some impossible purchases. I know there's some impossible uh, dreams, but I know they're from God and we're going to pursue them in the timing and the way in which he's called us to do them. 
I know that already we've seen how God has played out some impossibilities of favor in this area. There's no reason why a person that has just moved here three months would already be sitting with the voice of some of the most prominent people in the area that God has has been able to do for us. But he's doing that. Say, are you with us? And if so, let's go all in. Let's make some things happen. Not in our own strength, but in the strength of God. Let's begin to prophesy over our businesses. Let's begin to prophesy over our lands. When you're driving around, begin to speak over some things. When you drive by a desolate place, begin to speak life over it. When you drive by a barren building, you just begin to speak that it would thrive and do well. When you begin to see businesses struggle, you begin to declare that it would no longer uh, struggle. And when you drive by something that you know is bringing this place down, you go ahead and curse it in the name of Jesus. Listen, when it's 2 in the morning, some of us are out then, and you see those people that are just walking around, you know what I'm talking about and who I'm talking about and the kind of people I'm talking about. Not every walk around two in the morning is a meth, has a meth issue, but I'm just saying, you just begin to speak deliverance and hope for those people in Jesus' name. Had a, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I had a conversation with the chief of police of Miami a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the, the meth issue that we have here and how it's really, because of the way the laws work, it's, it's a battle that really isn't a winnable battle in the natural and I just looked at him and I said, you do what you do and we'll allow the spirit of God and the voice of hope and the change that we can, we can bring, do what we do and together we're going to make a difference. And he looked at me and I says, I believe that's the ticket. When I talk to the sheriff, I know that he believes wholeheartedly that the answer to change in this area is Jesus Christ. That it's not taking everyone to jail. And it's not rehab. However, rehab helps people tremendously. It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in people's lives. We can do this. It's going to take more more than what we got here to do it. But I believe that God's going to begin to draw people in. And I've 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 been uh, saying for the last several weeks that we have a visibility issue here. Where we're at. And I'm going to quit saying that. Because God adds to the church daily those that are being saved. We're going to do our part. We're going to love Jesus. We're going to love people. We're going to invite when we can. We're going to watch God open doors for places and locations for us. We're going to serve our community. We're going to serve our king. And any visibility issue, that's his issue. He can handle it. And I believe that there's going to be people that are driving by here just before 10. And there's going to be a glory in this place that draws them in. And tongue in cheek, it's going to be easier to wake up and get here in the morning. Amen. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts, but also in the area of support. If you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. 
wlmiami.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. And click on the Give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.